Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning continues this hour at 11.30. Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Fighting Illini, as Illinois picks up a win over Purdue. Looked good doing it. Solid win for them in Champaign. Also, it'll be Darren Pang. He is the analyst on Fox Sports Midwest for the St. Louis Blues. And boy, did they have themselves a week coming up. No question about it. It's going to be exciting to have training camp back at it again in ho- in hockey. And let me hear a little bit of this. Of things to come. Another one. A putback for Tillman. Just go to your home ball. Missouri up by seven. Yeah, those are the highlights from CBS. They're talking about Jeremiah Tillman on the national stage. The Missouri big man was terrific yesterday. 25 points, 11 rebounds. For Tillman, as Missouri goes into Fayetteville and beats Arkansas by a final of 81-68. And joining us live on Sports on a Sunday Morning is Jeremiah Tillman. How are you? And what a terrific performance you had yesterday. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to hear you, and it was great to see you yesterday on that stage. I love waking up on a Saturday morning and turning on CBS and watching some college basketball, especially when Missouri's involved. It reminds me of getting March Madness going again, and uh, you wasted no time. The beginning of that game, can you describe from opening tip to seeing that basketball go up in the air out of the hand of Xavier Pinson? Um, Honestly, it's just been something we've been working on in practice. So, I mean, it was just second nature in the game when, when we were doing it, so... I mean, I wasn't really too worried about thinking on anything. The game was just coming to me, honestly. Yeah, and it did. And that ball came to you, and you threw it down, and that's how the game started at Arkansas, and you went on to beat them by a final of 81-68, now 7-1 and on the season. And, Jeremiah, that had to feel good coming out of the loss to Tennessee. Can you describe what those couple of days were like leading up to the Arkansas game after losing to the Vols? Um, we didn't want that loss to describe us, so we went into practice knowing that we was we supposed to be better than that and didn't do nothing but humble us. So we were just being very competitive with each other, um, just going to each other real hard, and it paid off the next game. 
Yes, it did. And Arkansas is good. I mean, that's a team 9-0. and They weren't uh, challenged too much in the non-conference, but they beat Auburn, and, and they can score a lot. So you had to play your game, didn't you, Jeremiah? You couldn't worry about uh, what they do except to try to get them out of running up and down the floor. Yeah, because they're a good running team, and they like to shoot a lot of threes. So we just have to play our ball and not worry about what, what nobody else was saying. And we just came out and tried to throw the first punch. And that's what you did with that alley-oop dunk. And X also had a good game. Pinson with 23. He gets involved. He's got to be fun to play with. I mean, everybody on your team seems like you have a great group. But what a talent he is. He's fun, isn't he, Xavier Pinson? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, he is. What what's he like uh, in practice? Is he he's just got that uh, that speed that burst? He's yeah, he's, he's very fast. It's hard it's hard to keep up with him at practice because he he be moving so quick. But I mean, I know that he he be looking to pass the ball. So whenever he's running, I just take off and try to get it to the rim as fast as I can because I know he like to make flashy passes. So it's coming from some some way. So as long as I got my eyes on the ball, I just got to be ready. Yeah, it's a good rebounding basketball team you played, uh, Jeremiah, and you had 51 rebounds. Now, they missed a lot of shots, so you're going to get some opportunities there. But you beat them on the glass, plus 15, and uh, that was really, I'm certain that you want to score, of course. You want to get the offense going, but that you made it a point to get to the glass as a team. Yes, sir. I mean, that's what we talk about before all our games. We always talk about how we want to be like a certain number up like up when the game ends. So we just be attacking the glass and we work on it in practice a lot. We got these drills that we do all the time. And uh, you have at least nine rebounds in five of seven games this season. You had 11 rebounds on your own. And the eighth career double-double, second in the last three games for Jeremiah Tillman as Missouri beat Arkansas 81-68. Uh, Conzo Martin, tell me about him now. As someone who I'm, I'm certain he, he always speaks so highly of you and your ability, and there are challenges, of course, uh, that come with being a coach and talking to a player of your caliber, making sure you stay out of foul trouble, you're doing the things you're doing. But I, I always feel like, Jeremiah, that it goes beyond that with Conzo. He's like a, a father figure to all of you. There's real love between him, and of course he's a former player and has been through what you've been through, but... There's a real respect that he shows his players that I sense. How do you describe the relationship with Conzo Martin? Um, it's great, honestly. Since I've been on campus, he's been trying to show all of us and, and me as well as like how to grow into to, to men and get ready for the real world because uh, at some point basketball go in and he makes his duty to like build that relationship to show you that he loves you and, and it's more than basketball his life so i mean once he built up that relationship with us i mean it's like you said it's kind of like a father figure to us because he show us he's showing us the ropes right now so we just like listening to him and do what he say i mean the relationship is like it's gonna always be there because that's what he do like he that's the type of relationship he built with you right like as hard as this has been and this has been hard for everybody, and there's a lot of respect for what you all are doing for the game, the sacrifices that you're making. But I believe that at the same time, he's probably telling you that someday you will look back on this, you'll look back on this story, and you'll be proud of of what you accomplished day to day. Do you feel that also, as, as challenging as this has been, that you can make a positive out of it? 
Yes, sir. I mean, like you said, we going through a lot. We a lot of things be last minute, but like like I said, he be making it his duty to make sure we prepare for like all things and like situations like that. When we got to either take a bus last minute to go to a game, we got to he he makes sure like we we mindset ready for what's going on because of we putting in so many hours on the road and coming back and making sure when school was in that we were still still doing good in school. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And last thing for you. So this is Jeremiah Tillman, who had a big-time performance yesterday, but Missouri did across the board. That's a big-time college basketball win when you go into a place after a loss to Tennessee and and put a stop to somebody like they did to Arkansas and hand them their first loss. And you're doing it on the national stage. But I wanted to ask you also, Jeremiah, you're from this area. You were born and raised in East St. Louis. What does it mean to you to represent East St. Louis on the stage like this and and being part of that community and being part of the University of Missouri at the same time? I mean, it means a lot because we got a lot of talent where I'm from, and not a lot of us get to show it because of, like, certain situations that happen or whatever. So, I mean, I'm going to always try my best to represent where I'm from and be humble as well at the same time. And like, like you said, I'm only two hours away. So it felt like I'm playing at home, even though I'm not. So, yeah, that's what that's what it really means. Like I'm, I'm feel like I'm at home, but I'm really not. But yeah, yeah. And you know what? There are a lot of people that were very proud to see you do that yesterday. There's a lot of pride, and that's a great win. Now there's more work to be done. As as your coach always says, buzzer sounds. On to the next game. And Tuesday at Mississippi State, it's an 8 o'clock tip-off on SEC Network as Missouri goes to Mississippi State where Kentucky won yesterday. They finally got themselves a win. Missouri will play there. Currently ranked 12th in the nation. And Jeremiah Tillman, 25-11 and 11 yesterday for a career best. Uh, congratulations. And thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. There's Jeremiah Tillman, big man from Missouri. That was fun to watch yesterday, no doubt about it. We're going to switch over to hockey with Darren Pang. Panger is with us next as the Blues get set to take the ice and try to get that Stanley Cup back to St. Louis. Darren Pang on Sports on a Sunday Morning. I'm Tom Ackerman, back after this. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, it's been a fun show so far. Kevin Wheeler joined us, talked a little baseball, college football. Chris May from St. Louis University, the athletic director with both his men's and women's programs on pause right now due to COVID-19. It was nice to hear from Jeremiah Tillman, the Mizzou big man. Last segment joined us live after a huge game yesterday in Arkansas, 25 points, 11 rebounds. Now it is time to shift our focus to hockey. And joining us, can't think of a better person to talk hockey on a Sunday morning. It's Fox Sports Midwest analyst Darren Pang. Panger, how are you this morning? I'm doing really well, Tom. I think uh, everybody's getting a little bit more excited, uh, you know, as we as we get ready for the season to start on the 13th. Um, the boys are doing all their fitness testing today, and then they'll hop on the ice tomorrow and you know, you're looking at the different social media um, sites and you're seeing, you know, some exhibition, some games, some scrimmages and whatever. So, yeah, I think uh, starting to get that hockey brain cooking a little bit here. Yeah, I feel like the hockey fans have just been antsy. You know, they just they missed it. Yeah. They missed it. You know, it, it didn't feel right, but it's what we're all dealing with right now, Panger. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, we're starting to see other sports and the NBA started earlier than maybe what we thought that was going to happen. But last year, I think the National Hockey League, Tom, even if it didn't work out for the Blues, I think they did a great job with the bubble. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning deserved to win the Stanley Cup. They were hungry for it. A lot of things fell into their place. It didn't for the Blues. That break really hurt them a lot. Um, but uh, I think they're really ready now, Tom, to prove that, okay, so they, they, so they weren't good in the bubble, but they'll be ready for this one here. I think they're going to be contenders and have the potential to win, you know, another couple of Stanley Cups in the next five or six years. I, I, I think they're going to be regarded uh, as that type of team, heavy, hard to play against. Um, we've got some good um, prospects coming up as well. It's not just a team right now loaded with veteran players or players that are, that are past their prime. This team is in a really, really good position here moving forward. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the biggest changes. I mean, obviously that would be Alex Petrangelo going to Vegas. They lose something there, but they gain with Tory Krug. Discuss that if you would. Just that's the biggest change that's been made so far. Well, our fans are going to like Tory Krug uh, and what he <clears throat> what he does, uh, especially with the way that the game has changed. Even though he's undersized, he's got a lot of moxie to his game. We saw that during the Stanley Cup final, uh, not just that big hit that was maybe overplayed on Robert Thomas, but he, he's a competitive kid that, that wants to be in the fire when it's at its hottest. Way different than Alex. I mean, listen, we're going to miss Alex. I, I'm going to miss him personally. Uh, between the benches, for me, Alex was always leaning over. He was always asking inquisitive questions or what happened over there. Or, uh, he always kept you on your toes. But, you know, now we move forward, and, and Krug's different. On the offensive side of it, I think he's got uh, sees the ice uh, better on that side of it. Um, not as good defensively that uh, that you would obviously find in Petrangelo. Um, but uh, you know now you've got more ice time for other guys. And Pareto will step up and play a little bit more in different roles, and we'll see a little bit different Justin Falk. Um, Sandella will be here for a full year, so you know in the meantime it's going to look a little different. But I think. I think Krug's going to add a lot of energy and he's got a lot of personality and a lot of character to this locker room. That's a good-looking power play. I mean, Tory Krug, Mike Hoffman, uh, that's an opportunity to score some goals here with the man advantage. Hoffman, in particular, is someone who is an expert when it comes to the power play, isn't he? Yeah, we haven't had – I mean, a guy like Hoffman is a real one-time machine. Um, his ability to get open – as a left-hand shot on the right-hand side, and one time the puck is phenomenal. And, you know, I think our, we're going to be impressed with that part of it. He, he shoots the puck differently than Vladimir Tarasenko does. So it's a different look, and he's just not afraid to shoot it and whistle it. And I, I think that's, that's going to be an added plus to the power play. And him being a left-hand shot, he likes to be on the right-hand side. But I talked to Craig Berube this morning. We exchanged text, and he said Hoffman will play the left or the right. He does prefer the right, but he'll do whatever it takes to, to, to fit in. And so that power play unit, it was already really good last year, and it'll just get better this year. I wonder about Vladimir Tarasenko and how healthy he'll be. We're going to know pretty soon, are we? I mean, a month from now, we're going to start having some questions answered about his availability. There's no guarantee when he's going to come back, but when he does, I have to think that he'll be a force. I just hope that uh, he can you know, keep the shoulder together. Yeah, he'll be highly motivated. I mean, three surgeries now in, what, two and a half years? So, you know, last year they said, well, we'll reevaluate after five months. Then we had the pause. So it ended up being almost nine months. 
and then he had whatever issues they were um, early on in the fall. So um, no one knows for sure, Tom, and there's no way for me to say, oh, this is going to be okay for him. I don't know. Um, but I do know from what I understand, again, his work ethic and his habits have been very, very good, and, and, and he's ready to jump into it. Listen, when you're away from the game that long, I mean, you either really miss it and you can't wait to get back, or you kind of just fade away. I don't see him as a fade-away kind of guy. I see him coming back and trying to, you know, obviously trying to not instill himself back into, you know, prominence, but, you know, back to being relevant again. I mean, when you, when you haven't been there, you're not talked about and you're not – you know, you want to know that you're needed out there on the ice. And I think that's where Vladdy's going to really be motivated to come back and then and, and prove to everybody, number one, that he's fine. But number two, that he's, that he's a dominant player in this league. And now there's heavy competition as a lefty on that right side with, uh, with Ian Hoffman there. That's exactly right. There's nothing. You can't go saying that Vladimir Tarasenko, if there's one thing you can say about him, he cares. I mean, he, he has a burning passion. You know, the story started to come out about – his desire to wear the C or what have you. I mean, we yeah. I think we all knew that was going to go to Ryan O'Reilly. The point is that Vladimir Tarasenko cares. He wants to be respected. He wants to be uh, a part of this. He wants to win. He has a burning fire inside of him. And when he does have that, when you can see that, the Blues are very tough to stop. Yeah, and, and, and you know, any time an article in, in Russia or in another country is Google translated, I, I always take a step back and say, okay, don't overreact with that. And sure enough, it got headlines. I mean, in that story, they were talking about the World Junior Championships 10 years ago because they won gold over, over Canada, and Vladdy was phenomenal in that. And, and then, you know, so then a couple of questions about the captaincy. I, I like the way he answered it. I mean, he was, he, he was hopeful that, that maybe he was going to be named the C. Um, you know, but I, I think at, at the end of it, it takes a lot of decision-making. Number one, health. Uh, number two, the ability to communicate with everybody. Um, the ability to rally guys around you. I, I think, you, you know, they went from David Backus to his good friend, Alex Petrangelo. Um, you know, now they go to a different kind of captain with Ryan O'Reilly. And, and I like Ryan's personality to take on the seat. I think we all assumed it was going to be Ryan O'Reilly. But I, I do like the fact, I mean, Vladdy said, hey, me and Schwartz have been around here the, the longest. So the expectation was maybe we'd get consideration for that. I, I don't consider that a big deal whatsoever. Um, and I like our A's. Uh, Pareko, Shen, Vladdy Tarasenko. It could be Schwartz in there as well. We got Tori Krug is another guy that I talked to. You know, his former head coach uh, Bruce Cassidy just a little while ago, and he said, "You know what?" And at that point, Chara hadn't left yet. He said, "If if if Tori Krug stayed here and Chara left, I would have. You know, that's a that's a guy that he wouldn't hesitate to put a C on. So I, I mean, so he's got good leadership qualities uh, on a." veteran team like uh, the Boston Bruins. So another good example of what Doug Armstrong's put together here is every single one of these players have the capability of having a letter on their, on their sweater, and that's a really good thing to have. I think people are going to love Krug. I mean, he's already showing that he can be something special in the community, and then he's a terrific player, and wait till he lays that first hit on somebody. Just ask Robert Thomas. That's the player right there for me. I wonder if you agree with this. So the X factor for me, I mean, obviously, Jordan Bennington plays well. The Blues are going to be really good. But if Robert Thomas takes another step and becomes the star that I think he could be, this team is extremely dangerous. Do you agree? No, I totally agree with you. Um, we got, you know, we've got Tyler Bozak, who there's another leader on this team as well. Um, you know, he's on the final year of a three-year deal that he had signed. 
Um, our centerized positions right right now are, you know, O'Reilly, Shen, Bozak, and Barbashev or Sunquist. Um, and, and obviously Thomas then, does he stay on the right side or does he go in the middle? Does Bozak go on the right? Uh, does he keep Thomas on that in that kind of that same hole that he had him on last year in that in that number three line, or, or does he move him up and put him on the right side with Shen and Schwartz, and maybe move Hoffman up with O'Reilly and Perron? Where does that leave Sanford? Well, that would leave him in the third line. So there's a lot of great options, I think, for the head coach. But you're right about Robert Thomas. Tom, he's he's just he's a winner, um, and he competes at a high level when the pressure is on and when it's at its highest. And, and that's how you determine how high up the ladder that player is going to, to, to play. Um, some guys, quite frankly, they just they choke when they get, get given that opportunity. Those are just the facts. Uh, Robert Thomas is not one of those guys. So whether he's a centerman uh, in the top six or a right winger in the top six or whether he plays a little bit uh, on that top six and then helps out that third line, who knows. But the options are there, and, and, and I think he's driven, um, really driven um, to be – a top-end player, not just on the Blues, but a top player in the entire National Hockey League. That's what his bloodlines are. That's all he's done all his life. So the NHL will be no exception for me. Last thing for you, this is Darren Pang. Isn't it great to hear his voice as he's going to be analyzing these games with John Kelly on Fox Sports Midwest? It'll be late, though. You know, I, the the schedule changed the division realignment. I don't know about you. I, I think these players can handle that. I, I, I believe the travel is not a big deal. I don't think that that's going to be as much of a strain as maybe people are making out to be. What it, what it hurts for me is fans that watch you on TV because – the game needs to be, and I understand we're in COVID and we have to deal with a lot of changes right now. But, you know, I understand fans who would say that I don't like this. I mean, my kids love this team and now you're not going to go till after 930 Central Time. I get it. No, I, I obviously I, I totally agree with you and totally feel for the fans. I mean, we're, we're working the games, Tom, and, you know, you've worked late games and I mean, it's it's no it's really it's no fun for anybody. Um, you know, Doug Armstrong said it last week that there's there's some hope still that the NHL will get some help, uh, or that the Blues will get some help from the NHL um, that that they can be more flexible um, with the schedule, with the timing of the, of the games. But as of right now, I mean, I guess it, I guess I, my attitude is this: What are we going to do about it? <laughs> and and instead of looking back and and kind of wasting a lot of energy with that. I've got to, you know, we've all got to look forward and say, okay, well, let's just do the games. And uh, for the kids that can't watch, that's what, that's what really bothers me is we've got so many young hockey players that are here in St. Louis that are, they aspire to be what the blues are. And that's when they wake up in the morning, they, they think of what these players did. And so to not have it on, is a shame for those kids. So, you know, hopefully we just get through this, and hopefully the NHL can help out with some of these times, and and we can uh, we can get going on board here. Maybe if it's school nights, you know, we create some sort of system where we come up with little notes, you know, like Johnny watched the Blues game last night. He will not be able to attend the first uh, half of school today. No, I'm just kidding. But you That's know, a great just... idea, Tom. I like that. That's what, right? That's what I, I would have bring... done. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll bring in a sponsor and everything. We'll, we'll create little notes for the kids. No, we, I don't want to mess with the education system. But I, I, you're right. There's not much we can do about it. And you just, like I said, I would rather have this 
than no hockey. That is for sure. Darren Pang, yep. it is uh, so great to talk to you. I'm I'm happy that this is back for you. You're back in town and ready to roll, and let's get this thing going. Tom, thank you for this, and I'm I'm looking forward to doing this on a uh, on a on a consistent basis with you and KMOX, and uh, as I enjoyed it uh, over a year ago doing that. So uh, I'll get my uh, hockey head going and start thinking of line combos and. And scoops for you. How's that sound? I, I love it. We love having you on, that's for sure. Have a great rest of your day. We appreciate it. Sounds good, Tom. Thanks. There's Panger. Darren Pang from Fox Sports Midwest. What a great crew they have with John Kelly and Tim Paps, a great producer, and all the direction that they have. And all so many people go into making that a great telecast. They do a wonderful job over there. They really do promoting the sport. Darren Pang on KMOX. We have another guest right around the corner. He's good, too. Brian Barnhart is the voice of the Fighting Illini. Look, we've talked SLU and Mizzou. Who's the best team in the region? No disrespect to Missouri, okay, and they beat Illinois, and Missouri's really good, but you cannot ignore this Illinois team. They will not be ignored. They've lost a few games, but there is no shame in who they lost to, and I'll tell you, they are going, I'm going to tell you right now, Illinois is going to be a very, very tough out in the NCAA tournament. That team has everything, and we'll talk about it with Brian Barnhart next on KMOX. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. Sports on a Sunday Morning continues, and the live guests just keep rolling in. Hello, Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Illini with us. I texted you after the win against Purdue yesterday. I watched that game. I wish I could say I listened to you on the air because I love listening to your telecast, but I did watch it. And I thought, uh, what I've thought all along, Illinois is going to be tough to knock out. How are you doing this morning, Brian? Well, I'm doing great, Tom, and uh, thanks for having me on. And Happy New Year to everybody in in St. Louis and uh, listening elsewhere. But, yeah, we're looking at a couple inches of snow up here in Champaign. But uh, certainly Illinois stayed hot. Uh, They won another game, I think, nine straight now at the State Farm Center, uh, dating back to, uh, to last year. And, uh, you know, Steve Bardo told me years ago when he was my color partner at the, in my early days doing the games, he said, Brian, every game is like a combination lock. And if you're a great team, you always figure out, no matter how the game goes, you eventually figure out that combination. And they kind of did that yesterday. It wasn't the greatest game. Uh, it was choppy. Both teams had stretches where they couldn't score and other times where they could. And Illinois withstood a 19-0 run by Purdue and still found a way to win. Uh, and so that's how great teams do it, I think. Yes, they do. And, you know, the player that I've got an eye on is DeMonte Williams. Now, he had 12 points. This guy cannot miss a three. It's unbelievable. Uh, he did miss two of them yesterday, surprisingly. He was three of five from beyond the arc, but he had 10 rebounds. Uh, has, he, has he always uh, been a, a strong rebounder? He was terrific yesterday against a good rebounding team. Well, it was funny, Tom, early in his career at Illinois, and of course everybody knows DeMonte, the son of Frank, and how great a player Frank Williams was. And so he kind of had to come into Illinois with that kind of as a shadow, you know, his dad's success. And early on, you know, it was like, okay, now why is he starting? You know, he's only scoring two or three points a game, and Brad Underwood just kept running him out there, you know, over time. And he was just one of those glue guys. He just did everything right. Even as a freshman, he rarely made a mistake. You would watch practice, and he would rarely have to get on DeMonte. 
because he just did everything right. And over time, his scoring has been picking up. You know, he, I think he made, I think he made like nine threes his first year, and it was his shooting percentage. I think career was below thirty percent from three. And then at the end of last year, he started making threes, and it carried over into this year. And now I think he's leading the country with a minimum number of attempts. He's leading the country in three point shooting, and but he does so many other things. He gets rebounds. He he assists. He's one of those, and it's an overused term, but he's a glue guy. He holds everything together on a team, and he's just one of those um, guys you tend to overlook. You know, Io gets a lot of attention, deservedly so. Kofi Coburn gets a ton of attention. Curbelo as a freshman is getting a lot of attention. Uh, but you've got to have a guy like DeMonte Williams on your team, and he's just added that scoring to all the other things he's been doing for four years. That's Curbelo. I like him, too. Boy, he's got some great vision. That pass that he flicked over into the corner for DeMonte and that right baseline was special. And uh, DeMonte has that beautiful shot, great rotation, splashed in there. But you mentioned it. I I, I said this before the break, Brian, that with all respect to Mizzou and SLU, um, I still, if I'm thinking of a tournament team that could go the deepest, if I'm being honest here, and I grew up a Mizzou fan, and everyone knows I'm an IU fan, but I have the Mizzou blood. I were the broadcast partner of the Billikens, and I love them dearly. But if I'm being honest, the team, if I were to put, uh, you know, my hard-earned money on on a team uh, on a horse, I would say that Illinois, because of Io Desumu, is the best tournament team. Uh, he is a – I don't want to overstate this because I'm going to leave somebody out, but I can't think of a clutch shooter – down the stretch better than he is uh, in, in a while. I mean, he is a special, special talent. I mean, he, there are times in a, against Indiana we saw this, but we've seen it before, where he just turns into this NBA player and just cannot miss. He is a very, very talented college basketball player. I'd put him right now in a handful of the best players in America. Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. And you almost start to take it for granted what he does. I mean, it's just every night, you know, it's it's and you've seen this with great players on great teams you know everybody's you know he's got a target on his back everybody's looking to stop him he's at the you know the top of the the scouting report and you still can't stop him you know he's going to score 20 25 a game he's going to have five or six assists he's going to grab four or five rebounds uh it's one of those things you as a fan you don't want to take it for granted because you're watching greatness in front of you every night but you almost start to take it for granted. And if he scores only like 12 yesterday, you're like, well, what's wrong with Io? I mean, he should have more. And yet he did so many other things yesterday, too, uh, in the win. But you're right. As a, as a tournament team, you've got to have a guy like that. That gets you, I think, almost to the Sweet 16. And then when you add the other elements, uh, and you've got to have some luck, and depending on who you play in the tournament and so forth, it's all about matchups. But you've got to have that special guy at the top. And then when you add the different parts, that what makes uh, Illinois so dangerous. And I think if they can get Adam Miller, Tom, get him going uh, from outside, that makes them an elite team. And he's been struggling a bit as a freshman. He, he came in as Mr. Basketball in the state. He's going to be just fine. But you can almost see him processing so much early on. He's almost thinking too much and trying too hard. And he broke out of a slump yesterday and hit double figures, and that was good to see. Yeah, I hear that. And Illinois, look, I mean, some people might be listening saying, what are you talking about? Illinois wasn't all that good yesterday. That's my point. I mean, they've won. That's that's a solid team they beat yesterday in Purdue, 66-58, and didn't play all that great. 
Uh, Illinois shot 9 of 22 from the free throw line, and I think of particular concern is Kofi Coburn going 0 for 6. Now, he is a monster of a talent. He really is so sturdy and tough inside. Um, but if I'm a team defending him, I guess the the one way you could try to beat Illinois is just hack the heck out of him, <laughs> if you can, uh, if you can keep the ball out of the basket in the process. Right, Brian? Well, you could, and that seemed to be the strategy for Purdue a little bit yesterday as the game went on. Now, he's been 60 to 70% free throw shooting pretty much. Uh, you know, yesterday was a little bit of an aberration for him because he's been shooting a lot better than that. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, been leading the Big Ten in free throw attempts. So, yeah, I'm sure teams are going to try to send him there uh, when they need to if they think that they can put pressure on him to, to make it. But it was kind of strange. You know, the last two games, the Indiana game, was the third game in about seven days that they played a week ago. And then they had the NCAA mandated since the teams had played over Christmas. You had to be off at least three days uh, during that week in between. So um, Coach yesterday, Coach Underwood, was talking after the game. And he goes, I don't know how to explain the free throws other than, you know, we just were out of rhythm because we hadn't played for a week and we also had three days off in between. And, you know, it's not really an excuse, but it was one of those games that, was choppy. Purdue, as you know, can make you play that way. And then when you just miss those free throws, it really sucks momentum away from your team. <laughs> so it was hard to get any kind of rhythm going when you keep missing them like that. Yeah, you have to be a tough team mentally to overcome that. I think Illinois is, and I love Coburn. He's just so – I don't like playing against him, but he's uh, he is just uh, – <laughs> this team has all the pieces, I think. They have great ball handling. They have the super scorer. They have the inside presence. And, by the way, they have more than just Coburn in the paint, as you know, but just informing everybody with the, all the role players and the coach. I, as long as this team stays healthy, I think Illinois – could really go far here. I like this team a lot. Before we go, Brian, I, I, while I have you, I did want to ask you about, because I haven't been able to, about Brett Bielema and just the change overall in football. Do you see uh, some real positives out of that hire and a change in culture? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think, Brett, you know, when you started looking at the different candidates, and he was on the list of people you know, that I think came to mind immediately. A, he's from Prophetstown, Illinois, up in the northwest part of the state. Uh, he was raised in a hog farm up there. Uh, and so, he, you know, he was an Illinois fan growing up. He eventually, I think, walked on at Iowa and then eventually became an assistant with the Hawkeyes and coached at Wisconsin. When we started comparing him to, say, Coach Leipold at Buffalo or uh, Coach Munkin at an Army or different things, you kept going back, and I think this is where Josh Whitman landed, you kept going back to, okay, here's a guy who's had success. He's got a great Big Ten pedigree. He won three Big Ten championships at Wisconsin. Um, he understands the state. He's recruited the state of Illinois uh, over the years as an assistant at Iowa and a head coach at Wisconsin. He's had a success rate there that's pretty high. Uh, every time it came down to a comparison point, you just kept going, well, this has to be the guy. And I think one of the important things that he will do, and I think he did this, you know, within a couple of hours, was reaching out to the high school coaches in the state of Illinois, called the president of the High School Coaches Association. And I think that is one thing that I think needed to be repaired a bit was the relationship with the in-state coaches, because there were just too many players in the state of Illinois, whether it was downstate or the suburbs, or, you know, Illinois was able to get some out of the St. Louis area too, but um, just the recruiting in the state itself for Illinois, the flagship university, had fallen off. And I think 
having a, a guy from the state who grew up a fan who understands the state and the culture uh, of the state and how to recruit it, I think is, is really key. And so, plus, you know, it's hard to argue with his success up at Wisconsin, the way they established the running game. He's made a couple of hires on the offensive side, I think, with that in mind. And so I think, um, you know, Levy Smith is a wonderful human being and it was great to work with and a great mentor to the, to the young men on the team, but you know, you got to win games and if you don't win enough games, you know, something's got to change. And I think Josh Whitman reached that point. Yeah, I hear you. And if I'm an Illinois fan, I have to feel really good about what Brett Bielema is going to do. He's going to make sure that that offensive line, really both sides of the line of scrimmage, but that offensive line is going to be big and tough, Brian, because it just makes everything better. If your quarterback has a little extra time, that quarterback's going to be better. If you open up a little bit wider of a hole, those excellent running backs are going to find it. And it just you know allows receivers to take that extra step to, to get open. It, he knows that it all starts there, and that's Big Ten football, isn't it? Absolutely. And in particular, I mean, it's true in the Big Ten across, as you know, but in the Big Ten West, the teams that are, you know, the Iowas, the Wisconsins, uh, you know, they're, the Minnesota even, they're, they're built to be able to run the football and win up front. And, you know, you can be gimmicky to a point, but when it gets cold in October and November and, and you want to win the Big Ten West title or the Big Ten title in general, uh, you've got to have you got to have strong lines up front to give yourself a chance, and you got to be able to run the football. And uh, when you when you're not able to do that enough successfully, you're not going to win many games. We have such a huge Illini following here in our KMOX audience, and it's a real treat to let them hear you here. And I appreciate the time very much. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday morning, Brian. Have a great Sunday. All right, Tom. You too. And uh, thanks, and appreciate being on with you and all the great listeners at KMOX. Thank you. There's the voice of the Illini, Brian Barnhart, with us. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll get you set for the NFL schedule. And the Chiefs are at 325 today. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back in a moment. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, here's a look at the NFL schedule for today as we get set. Uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers on KMOX at 325, pregame at 2 o'clock. Chiefs already the number one seed in the AFC, so they'll be resting their regulars, but it's an NFL game nonetheless. Chiefs are 14-1 and on the year, Chargers 6-9. and Here are the big games. Steelers at Browns. That's a big, big game. And Cleveland dealing with COVID-19 issues. Pittsburgh has sewn up the division the browns need a win to get into the playoffs we'll see if they can do that packers at bears huge game as well that one gets going a little bit later today that's a 325 game whereas the pittsburgh cleveland game is at noon and the packers with aaron Rodgers can secure the number one seed in the nfc with a win over the bears now a chicago win puts the bears into the postseason and the loser of Cardinals-Rams will be eliminated. So if you'd like the Rams out of there, you want to root for the Bears. And the Cardinals beating the Rams would certainly uh, help there. The Cardinals need a win to get a spot in the wild card. The Rams need a win or a loss by the Bears to get in. Those are the playoff scenarios there. Washington at the Eagles today. The Washington football team can get in. With a victory, they had a shot last uh, week, but they lost at home to Carolina. So they'll give it another shot today. 
Washington taking on the Eagles today. And here are the early games. Miami and Buffalo. That's, again, another shot for Miami to make the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Baltimore at Cincinnati, Pittsburgh at Cleveland, Minnesota at Detroit, Jets at New England, and Dallas at the Giants, Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Those are all the noon games today. The big marquee matchup, Green Bay at Chicago's at 325 at Soldier Field, Jaguars at Colts, Chargers at Chiefs on KMOX, New Orleans at Carolina. New Orleans dealing with all kinds of COVID-19 issues as well. Their star running back, Alvin Kamara. And the 325 games also featuring Tennessee at Houston, Las Vegas at Denver, Arizona at the Rams, Seattle at San Francisco. The night game is that Washington game at Philadelphia. As it stands right now, my Super Bowl picks, as long as everyone gets through this healthy and goes into the playoffs, I, I still I cannot get off of Chiefs and Packers. Not only do I think that would be the Super Bowl matchup, but I'm rooting for it because I just think it would be a fabulous, intriguing matchup between two terrific quarterbacks. And if you held me to it right now, I would say that the Packers' Aaron Rodgers is motivated and is going to win a Super Bowl. I think that he is going to finish his career, whether this or in future years, whoever, whenever that may be. I don't know that it's now necessarily. But that he will find himself atop the mountain one more time. And uh, this is the very, very good opportunity for him to do that. I'm going to be glued to that one a little bit later today, Packers and Bears. Glad you've been with us for Sports on a Sunday Morning. Our producer is James O'Sullivan. And let me run down the guests again in reverse order. They were fun. Brian Barnhart, the voice of the Illini. How good was he? At 11.30 today, before that, Darren Pang. Terrific hockey conversation with Fox Sports Midwest analysts. Really appreciate Jeremiah Tillman calling in a day after his dominant performance against Arkansas, 25-11 and 11 for Mizzou. He was with us at the start of the 11 o'clock hour. 10 o'clock hour, we had Chris May, the athletic director at St. Louis University, always classy. And at 10.15, Kevin Wheeler was with us for a couple of segments to talk some baseball. You can always listen to this on the Rewind feature on the Radio.com app. And we say so long. Have a great Sunday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.